Let's pray. Father, as we spend a few minutes considering your word, the wonderful message of your word, give us open hearts and minds to receive. By your Holy Spirit, change us to be more like Christ. And it's in his holy name that we pray. Amen. Please be seated. So one of the things that is true in my household and is probably true in most of yours, especially if you have kids, December is a really, really, really long month because Christmas just seems to stay out there and every day just seems longer and longer and they can't wait to get to the presents. But one of the things that happens with me, and it's happened I think only twice this year, is I sometimes get annoyed. I sometimes get driven crazy by some of what my kids are doing. And I threaten to cancel Christmas. Now, please don't tell my kids, I don't think I'd ever cancel Christmas. But they don't need to know that. It's a threat. I will cancel Christmas. However, there was a point where Christmas was canceled. And it didn't go very well. In 1647... Parliament canceled Christmas, and it would last for about 13 years, and it was bad enough that shop owners had to keep their shops open on December 25th. They had to work. London police looked for people who were preparing Christmas food. You could be jailed for celebrating Christmas. Now, as you might imagine, the everyday person did not much care for this. (laughs) Um, There was rioting, there were pamphlets, there were all kinds of things done to overturn this. But here was one of the primary reasons for canceling Christmas. To get rid of the joy. Does that sound like, what in the world are you talking about? Because Christmas was seen by Parliament by many of the Puritans, as something that was about repentance and remorse and not celebration. Now, I will tell you, in an Anglican tradition, we spend much of Advent having a a sense of remorse as we look at our sins and we prepare our hearts and we get ready for the coming of Christ. And yet, the last thing you don't want to miss on Christmas is joy. Why? Because it goes right back to the message of the angels. Here's the first proclamation at the birth of the Savior that that it proclaims what our faith is supposed to be. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. All of them. And even the people that it's brought to. Shepherds were essentially the everyday person. They were the plumber, the electrician, the teacher, the the secretary. They were everyday people. Could you imagine the message of God 
after all of these centuries, finally being delivered, and it's taken to whom? The everyday person. Here's the message of God. Good news of great joy. Sometimes I feel like the church is not a place of good news of great joy. I don't want to ask for you to raise your hands. I just want you to think about this. How many of you have been hurt by the church? How many of you felt judged by the church? How many of you struggle with guilt because of the church? How many people are leaving the church now because of the way the church responds to the culture? Sometimes it seems to me the church is not about good news of great joy. It's about exclusion and judgment and criticism. And yet, when you think of our Savior, this message right here, the message the angels brought, it was to everybody. If you look at Christ and look at his life, who is it that Jesus was welcoming? The Romans? Yes. The Samaritans? Yes. The sinners? The prostitutes? The tax collectors? You just keep going. Even the religious leaders, where they would receive the welcome. Christ was welcoming so many people that there were points he couldn't go into a town and teach. Christ was living out the good news of great joy. What is that good news? In a very simple way, it is this right here. You are loved by God. You are valued by God because he sent a Savior for you. Instead of looking at all the things that we all know we screw up regularly, the ways we treat one another sometimes that we feel awful about and guilty about, the things we do we know are wrong, here is God saying, I'm sending you a Savior because you are loved and you are valued and I want you in my family. That was the message. And that was why Jesus was constantly welcoming, walking in and saying to people that everybody else rejected, you come. Do you know how crazy it was that he asked a tax collector to be one of his primary disciples? They were hated. They were considered traitors. And he took one of them and said, I want you to be one of my disciples. Because he was welcoming. Because it was good news that was meant to be joyful. My wife asked me what Christmas show I was going to use in my sermon tonight. Because I always have to. I, I, we watch a ton of Christmas shows, and I know I should use something like the star, you know, because it's Christian and it has Jesus in it. And, um, but I'm going to use Home Alone uh, because I love Home Alone. If you've not see it, seen it, you should watch it. It's a great movie. But there's one part of Home Alone, and if you don't know it, essentially a family leaves their 10-year-old son, Kevin, at home 
and then burglars try to get into the home, and Kevin makes them pay. Um, it's, just, it's hilarious. It's fun. It has, good, it has a nice message in it. But there's one part that this year, while I was watching it, it struck me, and I just I couldn't get out of my head. So at the very beginning of the show, Kevin and his brothers are looking out the window. It's dark outside. It's been snowing. And there's this old man across the street. And he's got a trash can that he's dragging. And he's got a shovel. And the older brother begins to tell the story of the bodies that are in the trash can. And like the boys are all freaking out. And at one point, the old man looks up. And I mean, they just throw the blind shut and they like run away. Well, then toward the end of the movie, right before Kevin is going to go take on the bad guys, he steps into church. The choir is practicing. Kevin is sitting in a pew, and he suddenly looks over, and there's the old man sitting in the pew. And the old man just looks over, and Kevin just slinks back into the pew. And the old man walks over to him, and he says, Merry Christmas. And then they start to have this conversation. And, and, and the old man asks him, have you been good? And Kevin says, yes. And then he goes, uh, no. <laughs> and the old man kind of laughs. And then, he, and then he says this line, when you feel bad about yourself, this is where you should be. That line, when you feel bad about yourself, when you are struggling with the things that you do wrong and you wish you didn't, with the things that you said to that friend that really hurt them and it's eating you up, this is where you should be. Because this is the place of good news and great joy. This is the place where you are told you are still loved. You are still valued. There is forgiveness. There's a new start. Come. You are welcome here. And that's what I hope you hear this Christmas. God wants you to have peace. And he wants you to know he loves you. And this Christmas, you can celebrate. You can be part of his family. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your incredible love for us. That you would do anything it took to bring us into your family, to make us your children. Lord, help us to embrace that, especially this season. The good news of great joy that we can be redeemed and loved and have peace. This we ask in Jesus' holy name. Amen.